Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Zach's trying to get loose. He'll fire. He knocks it down. Carl slams it home. Garland upstairs. Oh! Sixth and inside! Oh. A thunderous dunk! And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media family. I'm your host, Justin Brown. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Zoom. Half a million businesses connect using Zoom, a single platform for phone, chat, workspaces, events, apps, and video. Zoom enables real-time collaboration for teams around the globe. Zoom, how the world connects. And connecting with me now live via Zoom is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how you doing, buddy? Doing good. Had a quick jaunt to San Antonio over the weekend for... Uh... For, for a work trip and uh, recruiting DeJounte Murray. I see what's uh, happening here. Naturally, that's what I had to go do. Uh, but no, it was good. I actually got a chance. I love being further on the West Coast, even on Central Time. It's just easier to stay up late for playoff games. And uh, yeah, uh, and uh, no, it was great. I've been really, really, really enjoying the postseason. I think the only series I'm struggling to care about is Grizzlies Warriors, and that's more injury induced at this point. And yeah. everything else is just super fun. Hey, it was a little more competitive now that John Morant's out. So, you know, maybe oh, uh, Memphis has a chance to uh, extend that series. I, I think the playoffs have been incredible. Uh, I've seen some people complaining that they haven't been able to enjoy it because of the conversation after games. And there's a really... It's a little blamier than normal, isn't it? It, it is, but also, like, none of that's real. You can go offline pretty easily and, yeah, you know... But the players are partaking. That's the biggest difference. This isn't just Twitter gripery it's it's very much like part of the actual discourse which is very interesting i don't know i yeah, I, I, I don't think i like it I, the the officiating has definitely been a major storyline i've noticed that um it, it makes me feel a little bit better about the way that this calf season went where you see it happening to other teams and it's so random it's all over the place that uh i i can only imagine how angry i'd be getting in the playoffs if some of these calls were going against the Cavs and the conspiracies that i would be weaving but while we're on uh, kind of tangentially related to this i think it's important to get a little psa out here carter it's the off season you you guys stop falling for fake reports there there is a limited number of people that do a very good job covering the Cavs. if it's coming from uh brian winhorse chris fedor evan damerall like other people that actually like attend press conferences and work this beat then you can believe it but outside of that some Our boy random... tim larson sports he ain't it guys <laughs> honestly like for the amount of news, Cavs news that actually gets leaked, that actually happens, which is rare, like you're you're not getting it from some random account that is making their first scoop. So let's let's calm down. The off season is wild enough uh, without b- believing fake reports. So I, I think that's a important little PSA before we get into today's pod. Yeah, I think that's fair. I also you you did pivot away from something I thought was great, which was. You saw fan bases and teams 
complaining about refs nonstop and instead of thinking, hey, you know, we we shouldn't do that when we get there. You just empathized. You just went straight to, <laughs> yeah, I'd be I'd be cooking up some some crazy stuff too. My 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 favorite part was uh, Celtics fans uh, complaining, and that was a really poorly officiated game. Uh, the one that uh, they had the gripe with the the Marcus Smart foul and all that, which I I think should be on the floor. It was a rip through and all that, but um, I love the fact that they were claiming that it was rigged rather than just a poorly officiated game when they shot seventeen free throws in a row without Milwaukee shooting one. I I don't think that's what a uh, a rigged sporting event looks yeah. like, Carter. And I'll tell you what, I think it is something to do with the chippiness and, and the physicality of these teams. Like, Suns play such ugly basketball, like, defensively. The the Celtics, you know, like, you got away with mauling Kevin Durant <laughs> for an entire series in the series prior. Like, I guess the calls have kind of turned against them a little bit and where mm-hmm. they're actually calling some of that stuff. But, like, I just think it's a byproduct. Like feelings are going to get hurt when things are this physical, and I love it though. It's yeah. I think I think it's awesome basketball to watch. Yeah, at the end of the day, I think what every fan base wants is consistency, and uh, whether that be in terms of what contacts allowed, uh, like the, the way that calls go for one player or not uh, others. Like I, I think that's what people want at the end of the day, but. We have a ton to get into on today's podcast, Carter. We are going to do our Cavs report cards. So uh, I, I thought a fun way for us to do this would be to kind of briefly break down each player's season, talk about what we believe their greatest strength is, uh, something that we'd like to see more of with them, whether that be something that they did well that you want to see uh, more consistently or something that they flashed that you want to become more of their game. And then one thing we'd like to see them add in the offseason, assuming that they are back with the Cavs. Before we get into this, though, I would like to open up the floor for this opportunity for our listeners uh, to send us a message. Uh, things that you enjoyed with the podcast that you'd like to see more of and all that. Uh, you can send um, our Good reviews. grades only, baby. Our reviews and our reports to chasedownpod at gmail.com or, of course, leave us a review on Spotify or iTunes. Again, if you leave us a review and you want to be part of the Chase Downs Discord, you can send a screenshot of that review to chasedownpod at gmail.com and we will send you an invite. But let's kick things off with the rightful Rookie of the Year winner, Evan Mobley. Carter, do you want to go into uh, kind of your report on Mobley? Yeah, and we're going to give a letter grade at the end of this uh, of each discussion, but I'll I'll start with the, his greatest strength. And and maybe this isn't his greatest strength. I mean, his greatest strength is probably just like overall talent level. We're we're, we're like, going very subjective yeah, here. Yeah, we're going subjective we for conversational purposes and I think his greatest strength this year was his patience. He never mm-hmm. got rushed, uh especially offensively like, you know, a lot of bigs that can make passes, you can fluster them by adding a lot of pressure on the ball and he never seemed rushed all the way through the end of the season. Um, and, you know, especially in terms of reading and reacting and seeing openings as a passer, I just thought that was so encouraging because that, that belies feel that, because like, if you look at the offensive skill level of Mobley right now, it's actually not that high, you know, like he isn't a get you a bucket guy, but the fact that, that stuff seems so easily developed, but he has this underlying feel to me. That's the greatest strength Uh, in terms of something I saw a little bit of that. I'd love to see more of and see him build on some nastiness. Justin, (laughs) he's got a little nastiness to his game. He likes putting people in the basket. And as he gets stronger uh, and more accustomed and on that NBA weight plan, I really think that nastiness is going to come out more and more. I do not see an Anthony Davis type of curve for this guy mm-hmm. where the older and better he gets, the further away from the basket he seems to be. Um, I think he is much more likely to actually play a more physical game as his body catches up. And then finally, some dad, tighter handle. I think the handle just, mm-hmm. you know, I, I feel like that was the the book on him coming in was that he could actually handle. And I don't think he had an NBA ready handle uh, coming into the year. He, he can get the ball up court and transition, Mm -hmm. but like he kind of did the thing that your, your boy Carter does when he's playing a pickup run. Cause my handle sucks. And you know, it's all well and good until someone gets up in your grill and then it's like, Oh, (laughs) he would kind of free. He'd kind of seize up, you know, he wasn't quite confident enough to actually break anyone down off the dribble just yet. Uh, in a, in, in a face up. And if he just adds a couple go-to dribble moves that really work for him, he already has the, the, uh, 
uh, dribble right into the uh, post-up fadeaway. Like, that's his one face-up move that he really has right now. If he adds a couple counters to that with his handle, I really think he's going to be... He's going to go up another level as a creator offensively. What are what are your what are your notes? Well, first of all, uh, me and pickup, there is no opportunity for me to display my weak handle because as soon as that ball touches these fingers, it's going up. Baby. It's going up. Yeah, I respect I'm, it. I'm, I'm that black hole. Uh, for me, I think Mobley's greatest strength was his help defense, and this is really kind of you know his understanding of what to do defensively, like the way that he'd call things out, the way that he would recognize plays, breaking things up. Um, as good as his rim protection numbers are and all that, like I, I just think his overall understanding of what you need to do on the defensive end of the floor was so, so good. And that really came through uh, with his help defense. Um, as far as something that I saw flashes of that I'd like to see more of, uh, I'll give a quick shout out to uh, B-Ball Index, where I got a lot of uh, kind of my research for this podcast. They do really good work breaking down synergy numbers and all that. I want to see his playmaking volume increase because I, I think you saw even in that play in game against Brooklyn in a high pressure game, he was making some really, really great reads and, and the passing that he displayed, the the reads, the, the cross court skip passes that he made were really, really impressive. And it shows in the tracking numbers. Um, he is in the 98th percentile in passing versatility, according to B-Ball Index, uh, which th this number or this metric looks at passing data on assists uh, from scoring play types and sport radar data on assist location to gauge who is passing from what types of looks to reward more well-rounded passers. He was also in the third, 83rd percentile in overall playmaking talent, which factors in passing creation, volume, passing efficiency, uh, passing spread, passing creation quality, and scoring gravity. Um, it, the, the volume was just so low. He was only in the 57th percentile when it came to that. It's something that we saw in flashes, and maybe it comes with a tighter handle and a little bit more ball security and a little bit better shot making that once those aspects of his game come into play, you see it open up the playmaking opportunities. But I, I was really, really impressed with his feel for the game there. And I was going to say shot making for what I'd like to see him add. But honestly, I think I'd really like to see reliable screen setting out of him. I, oh, I that's, think that's a great thing to, that that would be a game changer for him. I, I just think it opens up so much. Like, l let's say next season we run it back. Lowry and Kevin Love are both on the team. I, and you bring in a small forward that's kind of eating some of those minutes. If, like, 16 of the, the minutes that Kevin Love plays are, are with Mobley with the second unit, and Mobley is able to be that role threat to open up kind of the, the screen and roll game and replicate some of what Jarrett was bringing to the table, I think that would really, really open up a lot of opportunities. And I think it would also open up uh, his vision in the short role because there, there just weren't a lot of opportunities for him to showcase that when he's slipping in the double drag and, um, you know, just not being that effective screen setter. So I, I think I would really like to see that overall uh, for a grade. I gave Mobley an A minus uh, relative to my expectations for him. I mean, relative to my expectations is an A. Um, I, I thought he was insane. I thought he looked like a, a top five, top 10 player down the line. And how could I not give him an A? So yeah. that that that's my pick. Let's uh, let's move down the line. You're gonna go. I'm gonna have you go back up again. Jared um, Allen. Jared Allen. Um, I think his greatest strength uh, was his scoring off of movement and acting as a vertical threat, whether that be as a cutter. Uh, you know, finding the the passing lanes off ball, getting in the dunker spot, and then obviously as a uh, screen and roll threat. Uh, he was in the 98th percentile in movement points uh, uh, per 75 possessions. So off of cuts and screens, no surprise there, especially when he's playing with such a talented playmaker and Darius Garland. Um, just really excited to see that aspect of his game continue, uh, especially when the Cavs add more ball handlers, assuming Colin Sexton's back, you know, a full year of actually playing with Garris Levert, uh, potentially. Uh, really excited to see that develop. Uh, something I'd like to see more of, not necessarily a weakness, but I'd like to see him secure defensive rebounds. Uh, he was only in the 73rd percentile when it came to defensive rebound success rate. Um, so I, I, I would just like to see him become a little more reliable 
ending possessions. Cause I, I think that would make a really, really big difference for this Cavs team that, you know, is trying to win in the margins They're They're trying to overcome some teams that might have more experience or more talent. I, I think securing those stops would be really important. And what one thing I'd like to see them add is a reliable free throw shot. Uh, again, the improvements in the margins, I, I think would make a really big difference for Jared Allen. He's taken such big strides, uh, showing creation in the post and all that. If he could just knock down those free throws at a little bit better of a rate, like get that 70% up to like 75, I, I think that would actually make a really big difference. Cause you look at some of these Cavs close losses last season and they came down to free throws. And, and obviously with the amount of load that he carries, he's an important part of that. Yeah, I, I think those are all perfectly fair notes. It's actually nice that we've been pretty different uh, on our notes thus far. Um, and I think for Jarrett, to me, his greatest strength has been his gravity on both sides of the ball. I thought that's, I thought you felt him in whether he was there or whether he wasn't there more than any other player on, mm-hmm. on the Cavs, except maybe Darius. Um, uh, in terms of being the only reliable screen setter that they had. Um, uh, the, the, and the reality is that screen setting also led to much better dives from him in the pick and roll as a finisher. Like Evan should not be any worse as a diver than uh, Jarrett, but because Jarrett can dislodge them at the point of attack like he did, he was much more valuable there as, as a dive fan in the pick and roll. And then, and then on defense, he had similar gravity, like in a way that, you know, he really snuffed out the paint this year um, and made it an, an unpleasant place to go. And, you know, that, and it allowed Evan Mobley to be the, the roamer on defense that he really showed he was best at. I've, I did feel all season that when their roles were reversed, when Jarrett was the one switching out, you know, they were a little more compromised, which is a testament to how good Jarrett is as an interior defender. And and I just thought the gravity was really the story of, of of his season. I think in terms of something I saw that I liked, it's a little nasty post game. I'm saying nasty a lot. It's probably not good. <laughs> um, uh, but like he had a lot better post game than I ever anticipated seeing from him in his career. I mean, I just think that you look at. Uh, I mean, his his efficiency was quite good. Zach Lowe noted it multiple times. And, you know, they if you're going to play big, it's important to be able to mash mismatches when teams are when teams switch on you. And in the postseason, teams are going to switch more and more and more. And they're going to not then they're going to play less defensive liabilities. And so just being able to mash uh, your standard NBA playoff shooting guard is going to be really, really important for him to make sure he's still adding his value on the offensive end of the court. Do I ever think he needs to be like Hakeem? No, but mm-hmm. should he be able to mash mismatches and get deep seals? Yes. Uh, in terms of something, I will, and go ahead. You sound like you're about to respond. Oh yeah. I, I was just going to say with the Cavs kind of utilizing the, these bigs, like you, you want them to be able to capitalize on the mismatches. If you force a switch, like be able to, to post up and capitalize on those opportunities. So I, I completely agree with your note there. Cool. Um, and I think the thing he's got to add, I, I thought that he made the easy short roll passes. I thought teams started to snuff him out a little bit near the end. Hmm. Um, so I think make hitting spraying out to the corners, not just the high low with Mobley was pretty darn strong, but I think just spraying out to the corners and being, you know, just making himself more versatile in, in the, as a role man. Cause right now it is, very much a little bit all or nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I think he worked on that and I think it, he showed it, but I think, uh, you know, like you, there's a difference between blitzing Darius and, and Evan being the outlet 20 feet from the hoop, hoop being able to create and, and spray out passes and Jarrett. Mm-hmm. And some of that is kind of preternatural feel. So I'm not sure you can get there, but if you can add that, that'd be a huge, huge deal. Yeah, and I think that's going to be one of the benefits of the Cavs actually having continuity this season. Like, they got pretty much a full year playing together. They're going to have an offseason together. A lot of these guys, you can assume they're going to be back. Like, that's one of those things. Like, the the Spurs became the Spurs because they had so much continuity, and they they 
understood the nuances with one another's games. So maybe there is an opportunity for that. I gave Jared an A. Uh, I, I think he was awesome this season. I, I think there is an argument for him to be the most impactful Cavs player uh, this year. I'd probably lean Garland, but uh, I mean, you're talking about like all defensive caliber season out of Jared Allen, uh, obviously blossom into an all-star. There's, there's no way I couldn't give him an A. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give him an A minus um, just because I'm going to, I'm going to dole out my A's very, very uh, discriminantly. And I, I think I, only I like because that we're reversed missed. on uh, Mobley yeah. and Allen there. That's funny. And, and, and really a lot, and a lot of us, he missed 26 games and that's tough. You know, best, best ability is availability and like, not this isn't a dig on him at all. It's just you know you really felt his absence out there, and you know I, I'm not gonna say oh don't break your finger on a freak injury next time, pal. Mm-hmm. But like you know if, if if I have to be very discriminating, I think that would be one thing that we should note. That's a lot of missed games for for an all star player. Okay, Grandpa Golliver, what 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 do you have for uh, Lamar Stevens? Lamar Stevens, I think the best thing he did was be a chameleon. Um, interesting. You need us to play shooting guard. You need me to play shooting guard for like 15 games. Okay. I'll chase around guards and I'll do, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll do an Isaac Okoro impression. Oh, the bigs are hurt. You need me to play a bunch of power forward and guard power forwards and centers. Okay. I'll do that too. Um, I thought he really was very flexible and I don't think you normally think that about an energy player who, you know, mostly gets by on grit and, you know, athleticism. Like, you kind of think, okay, that's kind of a one-trick pony. But, like, where he was used for the Cavs changed the way he played, and I thought he was very effective in in a lot of different roles. So, to me, I think think it's the the kind of the do-everything mentality, the chameleon. Like, he just did what the Cavs needed him to do, which is, like, makes you the perfect... 10th 11th man you know because you need to be a good gap filler you know you think about like a swing tackle in in football that you know can play a little guard play a little tackle like that was lamar stevens for this team and Mm -hmm. i i really appreciated that part of his game i think in terms of something i saw that i kind of liked a little bit of a nascent corner three it wasn't quite there, but he showed it a little bit near the end of the year where he was taking them a lot more confidently. There were a few games he was getting three, four, five attempts up. And, you know, I think he understands that that's not a strength for him, but he needs to be willing to take them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, his touch is not horrible. I think no. he can get there. So, uh, and that actually dovetails very well into my, uh, what I like to see him add, which is, an actual corner three, <laughs> not just an ASA one, but a, but an actual one. Because I think you'll, you'll if, be shocked to hear that that is also what I had for him to add. Like if if you if your boy can shoot, I mean that's just everything for him. And he is suddenly goes from a fringe NBA player, uh, which you know tenth eleventh men are that, and that's no that's no slight to an actual legitimately helpful rotation piece. You know what? You're you're completely right. That that was what I had for him to to add as well. Um, it's funny you didn't bring up his defense, and I didn't list his defense because I assumed that you were going to bring it up. Um, but for greatest strength, actually, one thing I wanted to highlight for him is he did a really good job finishing around the rim. Uh, he was in the 89th percentile. Really strong physical. He displayed that touch that you were talking about. And uh, in a lot of those second unit minutes, like he had a quick first step, got to the basket, finished strong. And it it was really, really encouraging. There was a lot of times where Cavs needed a bucket and he actually was able to generate that. Now, there are a lot of offensive limitations to his game, but I, I was really impressed with that. And that ties into something that he showed flashes of, but I'd like to see him add. And that's the screen setting. I when I look at the Cavs and you look at how you can build this roster out and how the offense can evolve, I, I see a lot of like I, I think you want to do a lot of things similar to like the way that the Warriors do, where everybody's, you know, setting back screens, they're active, there there's a lot of movement, there's chaos, they play in an unconventional way. Yeah, the Cavs do it with more size, but I, I'd like to see that Lamar Stevens screen setting to to either free up cutters or to generate role opportunities. I mean, I I think people sometimes jump the gun a little bit when they talk about Isaac Okoro and they want to put him in that 
Bruce Brown type role, but I'd really like to see Lamar evolve in that kind of a role, whether it be a Bruce Brown or a PJ Tucker type where, you know, physical screen setter generates opportunities out of that. And some of the offensive limitations get hidden as a result of that, like get him the ball in movement and, and watch him go. Um, so I, I think that would be what I'd like to see him add to his game. Overall, I gave him a B plus. Um, he, he started poorly for the cows but then for the rest of the season i i thought he really really improved his consistency and, and was a pretty reliable contributor for them asked to do more more than he should honestly like he, he moved up quite a bit in the rotation as a result of the injuries that they had yeah i, I couldn't agree more and sorry to our listeners uh on, on the youtube feed uh justin's audio just popped out because um uh i had an issue um but uh um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think he really, I, I think relative to his role, it's, it's a B plus, mm-hmm. you know, I think, you know, if you were just grading him as, you know, I guess LeBron James, it might be a C, but like for what the Cavs asked him to do, I thought he really rose to the occasion and I was, I was pretty damn pleased with it. I won't lie to you. Yeah, me too. Uh, next up is probably one of the harder grades to do because it was such a small sample size, but Colin Sexton. Um, I, I honestly think like his greatest strength is just his ability to apply pressure to a defense, whether it's one-on-one shot creation, the way that he's able to relentlessly get to the rim, uh, generating those kind of opportunities and the chaos around that. Um, I think that was a real missed element for the Cavs. Um, I, I think even if you look at the missed opportunities like let's say uh, the the shot gets missed or whatever um at the rim i think it would have generated a lot of offensive rebounds for them but he is a good finisher at the rim and he's been getting better at generating contact and i i think when things got stagnant they didn't have a colin sexton option often throughout the season so i I think that's his biggest strength uh what i'd like to see more of out of him is three-point volume uh, whether that be increasing that volume due to off-ball opportunities or maybe a little bit of a pull-up jumper. Uh, I definitely want to see him be an option in transition, and maybe that's a, an opportunity for him to use that pull-up. Uh, but getting that volume up on his three-point shooting, I, I think, is one of the main things because at the end of the day, like the Cavs don't have a ton of proven shooters. And, like, yeah, he, he shot poorly to start the season, uh, but if he even shot at his career average... Like that, that's probably, probably would have got him from that 17 point per game to 20. And I, I think that's about the sweet spot if you want to have him have a nice rounded out game. Um, and then the thing I'd like to see him add or, or build upon, uh, we saw flashes of it, but just more consistent on ball defense. Uh, I, I know he can fall asleep off ball. That's probably one of my biggest concerns with him on the defensive end of the floor. But his on-ball defense looked a lot better to start this year. And I would like to see that become a regular part of his game. Uh, with the offensive burden being shared across the team and more more talent around him, you would expect him to have some energy to make an impact on that end. Um, often defense for guards is something that does take time. You, you don't, especially high usage ones. It, it's very tough to do that early in your career. I don't think this is like a Donovan Mitchell type situation where just there's no effort it's and it's a worse. What's that? Where it's getting worse. Right. Where, where it's getting worse there. There's just no effort on that end. Like uh, you, you see Sexton, like he will make a spectacular defensive play. He will lock in in a close game. And obviously there are going to be limitations to what he can do on the defensive end of the floor. But I think if he brought consistent on-ball defense at the very least, especially when you look at the help that is around them, I, I think that would make a big difference because you look, look at Lowry Markin and what he can do just by being in position within the Cavs defensive scheme. Like, I, I think there's a real opportunity for Sexton to have an impact on that end. Yeah, I think you're right. And I, I think you should actually, uh, should completely, I think it should be about off ball defense for him. Uh, mm. I think it isn't about on ball. I thought he was pretty fine on ball. I, I thought year, so right? too. I, I so thought I, so too. I think I in terms of something he should add to his game, it is, it is that off ball focus. But for me, uh, pretty similar uh, on, uh, on the strength. I wrote bucket getting, <laughs> um, and I just thought he got buckets, you know, like that Hornets game was crazy, uh, you know, uh, to start the year. And obviously he had an up and down uh, start as a shooter, but I thought his ability to consistently generate good looks, consistently beat his man uh, was sorely missed down the stretch of the season. So yeah, of course the absence makes the heart grow fonder, man. And I, I missed Colin as a bucket getter. 
-hmm. in terms of a thing I saw that I'd like to see a little bit more of that I liked baseline cuts. My man had the D Wade cuts down this year. Uh, And as the, I can't hear you. Check. (laughs) Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Okay, I don't know what's going on with my mic. It's like literally just like powering down and powering, or my mixer's like powering down and powering up. Gonna have to look at that after because mm. uh, I'm not touching anything. That, that's going uh, on the report card, Carter. Well, you know, give put it on put it on my permanent record, please. Um, but yeah, I thought as a baseline cutter, he showed something, and if he's consistently able to do that and get cheap points, uh, both doing that and school and in transition. It's going to really, really help a Cavs offense. It's always going to kind of struggle uh, to be, you know, top 10 just because of the way their personnel is structured right now, where their skill set of their team is right now. Uh, in terms of a uh, thing I'd like to see him add is consistency as a shooter. The guys, the guy, if you're watching a 10 game stretch, could either be one of the best shooters in the league or one of the worst. Mm-hmm. And I would love to see him get closer to, you know, just that three for eight. Or so, you know, like he's got to raise his floor as a shooter. I mean, the first the first uh, eleven games of the season, he was at like twenty percent. You know, that's he's had a lot of those stretches in his career where you go, "Is this guy can he shoot?" And then he'll just torch the nets for two months. So yeah. it's like, uh, you know, I just want to see that consistency because ultimately, consistency begets gravity begets breaking defenses. And the Cavs didn't have a lot of guys other than Markinen. Love and Darius that really consistently demanded that you pay attention to them off ball as a shooter. <laughs> and I think if he starts to earn that respect, uh, it will only help uh, his teammates. So in terms of grades for Colin, I'm going to give him an incomplete. I mean, he played 11 games. It's not fair. Yeah, I, I put incomplete slash B. Like I, I Sexton's, one of just like F. Hey, Sexton's start of the season um was like from a process over results standpoint i thought it was great like i i thought it was really really encouraging um we've seen this type of an adjustment from him before like adjusting to a new role and he's in a bit of an offensive funk and he figures it out i assume he would figure it out um i i, I saw chris uh, fedor was answering a question on is colin sexton polarizing and i i had a good chuckle at that because that feels like a solely online thing where Sexton's polarizing because like there is nothing that that guy does that like there there's nothing off court there's never been any issues like uh his skeptics a lot of them he's won over like you you look at the relationship with Kevin Love at the start to to where it is now like that that guy is so not polarizing but I I feel like that is solely a Twitter thing uh where uh just the online discourse um, gets weird with him I, I disagree with that I think you're wrong to be honest Okay. I think I think he I think he is polarizing among executives as well. I think I think people aren't quite I think he's still in a lot of people's eyes. People aren't sure how much of a winning player he is. I think and I think he was going to get a chance to prove it this season before he got hurt that he was a winning player mm-hmm. or at least truly test it yeah. uh, in a, in an actual environment where he could had a chance to succeed. Um, and I still think the jury's a little bit out. I think, you know, like there is a degree of like, hey, like, is this going to work at the highest levels? Because there's a long history of great scoring guards that, you know, don't quite have enough juice creatively uh, when when the games get tight. I think he can do it. But like, I think it's fair to say he is polarizing just because it, it, unless you just don't think he's that good. And in which mm-hmm. case, then there's no mystery, you know. But, like, I think there is a degree of mystery around Colin still. And, you know, I I hope to see it play out. Well, hopefully he'll put on a Browns jersey a little more often so people will be willing to overlook his flaws like they do with CJ McCollum. Uh, You're out of your mind. I am. But, you know, at at least I'm consistent. Uh, Isaac Okoro is is up next. Uh, For best strength, I put on-ball defense, uh, just his positioning, the way that he navigates screens. Uh, I think he does a really, really good job uh, being responsible and and doing his role on on on-ball defense. For what I'd like to see him add, just 
everything like yes like I, I turned the volume up on basically everything he did and and we've discussed how there's probably going to need to be skill development in order to do that uh but our buddies at it's cavalier podcast uh mac does a terrific job putting together highlight videos go watch isaac okoro's season highlights and he looks like one of the best players in the league it is ridiculous when you look at the the finishes he does like uh the 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 flashes he, uh, of everything that he does on the court looks so exciting, but because it's chronological, you can tell like, oh my God, the, there's like three really good highlights and then the opposing jerseys change. And you're like, oh, there was not really a lot of highlights within that one game. But when you string it together throughout the course of the season, he is a talented finisher around the rim. He was hitting uh, those outside shots as the season progressed. Just turn the volume and the frequency up on everything he does and I think Kobe Altman put it perfectly when he said the, the goal for this offseason for Isaac is unlocking his offensive game. I, I think people do not factor in how young he is uh, enough. It doesn't enter the conversation. Like, Matisse Thibel is a worse offensive player than Isaac Okoro, and he's four years older. Like, th- this... I think he's as good of an offensive player as oh, I, I, I think he is. Look, look it up, Carter. There, there is. He is a worse offensive player. That dude sucks offensively. Um, and then what I'd like to see Okoro add is a reliable handle. Obviously, that ties into unlocking everything. Um, but I, I would just like to see that handle improve. But Carter, I, I will fight you to the death on this. He is a worse offensive player than Isaac. I mean, if they're both bad at offense, I'm not that interested in splitting hairs. And I think Isaac's <laughs> bad at offense right now. Um, you know, I hope I think he has a chance to get better, but I think he's bad at it right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of my strength, uh, I mean, we have almost the exact same list of things, actually. But um, uh, in terms of strength, I said elite perimeter defense and actually elite perimeter defense. I think the first uh, for last year, he was like he looked like a good perimeter defender. I think this year he was a good perimeter defender. Uh, there were way more instances of him actually shutting people's water off and affecting games on that end of the floor. So I got to give him credit on that one. Uh, In terms of something I saw that I liked, right corner three, baby. Just just get good at that, Isaac. He was doing it for a minute on one or two attempts a game. Keep doing that at four or five attempts a game, and we are happy. I don't need that much more from you, buddy. It's like Uh, learning how to putt. Yep, it's... It, it is a functional game changer if you can shoot 38% on four shots a game from that corner. That's all you need. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in terms of, I, I also have handle as the thing he needs to add. I just think, especially as a below-the-rim finisher, and he is yeah. below the rim. I mean, just I was playing Lamar Stevens highlights earlier in this pod, and Lamar is an above-the-rim finisher. You see the way he rises up, and his angles are inherently a lot easier when you're an above-the-rim fit finisher, when you have a little bit of extra size. Isaac has that Jay Crowder vibe when he attacks sometimes where it's like a lot of like finger rolly stuff when he doesn't get enough step. Like sometimes he gets enough steps to really power and rise up. Most of the time, three people. Yeah. Most of the time though, as a layup finisher, he is below the rim. So if you're going to be that, that's fine, but you have to generate better angles on the way to the hoop. And he can't do that right now. So until the handle gets better, I think his ability as a driver is going to stay very, very limited. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think in terms of a grade for Isaac, I'd say a C plus. I, I, I think want C I, plus too. Yeah. I wanted to see more from him. Um, and I thought that he showed small flashes over the year, but it's hard not to maybe overcorrect on on the postseason the two games they played where he was functionally, you know, hard to play. Yeah. Nope. So uh, I think C plus feels right for Isaac. Let's, uh, let's move on down the line to Lowry Markinen, who was, had a weird year. <laughs> really weird. Really, You're really up, weird. Justin. Um, so greatest strength, I put gravity. I, I think just the, the pull that he has from the outside uh, coming off screens, all that makes the, the biggest impact. Uh, one thing I'd like to see him add I'd like to see him roll to the basket a little more and quick post-ups with deep uh, position. I don't want to see him back down from 15 feet out, but I'd like to see him take advantage of those mismatch, whether it's a baseline cut to a quick post-up or or something along those lines. I think that would be really, really impactful. He was actually in the 97th percentile in post-up impact and and did a good job drawing fouls in those situations. And what I'd like to see him add is attacking the glass on both ends. 
take advantage of that size. I, I know it's not really part of his game, but it's not like he's a terrible uh, rebounder. I just would like to see him be a little more assertive in those situations because Cavs have to be able to take advantage of the length that they have when they are employing that three big lineup, and, and especially when he's at power forward. Yeah, I think I, I love all these these notes, and they're really, I'm not too far off on most of them. Um, I think that I, I want to talk about the rebounding stuff first because my thing that I saw that I'd love to see him improve is attacking the offensive boards. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the idea. He That's one of the spots where he really shows his athleticism at his size, which is he had some nasty putbacks this year. Yep. And if I'm JB, I'm kind of encouraging him to attack those a little bit more, you know? Like, because he's so, he can really leap and he's got, and he's got, and he's so tall and long that he can generate some angles by attacking those offensive boards in a way that really is valuable. So I'll say that for, for, for his uh, thing I saw that I'd love to improve. I think his greatest strength of this team was volume three point shooting. Yeah. Um, As I mentioned, him, Love, and Garland were the only people that had any off ball gravity at all. Um, And, and even a guy like Colin Sexton, who, uh, is you know who can hit a spot up catch and three, catch and shoot three. He kind of has to be. A lot of those guys need to be wide open for them to really want to pull. He's one of the guys who can pull a contested three, and you can feel good about it. Yeah. Um. So like you know th- those lightly contested threes. So I thought that was that was his uh, his biggest strength. I think the biggest thing to improve on is. I know this is gonna feel trite to say, but rim protection, man. You're seven feet. <laughs> you know. I I wonder if. Like the the most positive outcome here, like is like you can learn to do this. Mm-hmm. He is not physically incapable of being a smart defender, yeah, um, and being a helpful defender. Brooke Lopez was one I, of I the was worst just about to say Brooke Lopez. He was one of the worst defenders in the league for the first ten years of his career, mm-hmm. and then his role got simplified. Um, his coach said. Uh, you know, hey, here, here's what we need you to do. Uh, we're going to flank you with elite defensive talent around you. Sound familiar? Yeah. Uh, and and Brooke is now, you know, Brooke was, is one of the best-rated defensive players in the league every year. Now, they're, they have different profiles. Brooke is enormous yeah. uh, and, and strong, and Lowry is neither. Uh, do, do some you know, squats, Lowry. Do, don't skip leg day, Lowry. <laughs> but, um, you know, but I still think there is a road... I don't need him to be a good rim protector. I need the defense not to collapse when one of Evan or Jared is sitting. Yeah. And Lowry is moving up to the four. So yeah, I agree. like, and, and I don't think it's too, too much to ask to say, Hey, we need you to not kill us as a rim protector. I think his perimeter defense was fine this year. I think it was stellar. Yeah. Um, it, no, what's funny about his that? profile. No, it's funny about that for grades. I put B plus at the three B at the four. I, I didn't, I didn't, I, at the four, I think his minutes looked a lot more like what the Chicago Bulls fans were talking about with him. Uh, but I, I thought he did a really, really good job, especially when Mobley and Allen were out there. I would go B, B minus. So similar, similar splits, similar uh, in, in that order. But, uh, you know, I think, I think if the Cavs want to take the next step, especially as Kevin Love ages, he needs to be a guy that they can absolutely play for 30 backup four minutes or 30 minutes at the backup at the three and the four and float between those two positions and not get killed in either of them. I agree. Yeah, I think that's a really smart point uh, for Dean Wade. I put his decision-making and awareness on both ends as his greatest strength. Like that guy just doesn't make a lot of mistakes out there. Uh, plays good positional defense. He does the right things offensively, just knows his role. Really impressed with that. I'd like to see him improve with his screen setting. I, again, similar note to Lamar Stevens. I think he can be utilized in that way to create some chaos. And what I'd like to see him improve on Carter or add is more reliable three-point shooting. I think there's the assumption that he's this uh, great three-point shooter. Only shot 23% from the corners this season. And in the 36 crazy. and 36 percentile for three-point shot making, which factors in degree of difficulty, openness, location, etc. Uh, he was 73rd last year, uh, but 53rd the year prior. So it's kind of been inconsistent. I think him becoming a more consistent three-point shooter would open up a lot of opportunities because I I think when people talk about like replacing Lowry in the starting lineup with Dean, um, the lack of consistency from three uh, is 
probably the biggest contributing factor to why he doesn't have that same offensive gravity. Yeah, I think that those are all great notes. And we don't have to go super long on Dean. I think his dependability and reliability and uh, just his general vibe mean that you're not going to have hard takes on yeah. Dean Wade. Uh, but I think, awesome. his I think his strength was being a, a great switchy defender. Mm -hmm. um, took on really tough assignments on the perimeter uh, as a defender when he was playing at the four. Uh, and even at the three, um, you know, the Durant stopper, um, you know, very tongue in cheek to say, but also kind of not. Um, he was great. In terms of something I saw that I wanted to see more of, I actually don't have that much for him. I, yeah. I think he played a really solid game and like kind of maximized what he is right now on the court. If I have one like wide angle note for him, don't disappear. Um, you know, for all the, the, uh, and obviously very different pedigree players in terms of where they were drafted, but for all the consternation about Isaac's box score stats, F, uh, Dean played 20 minutes a game this year and averaged five and three. Yeah. Like those are not good counting stats. Mm -hmm. Like, and there were times where he was so fundamental that you almost forgot he was out there. It's like, okay, he's just going to move along, make the right plays. Like, he can put up better stats than what he did in the minutes he played, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that his impact exceeds his box score, but I also want to see the box score catch up because there were times where he, he was just kind of out there. And like, it's just really hard to win in the NBA if you end up having to give 25 minutes to a dude who just isn't doing that much. Yep. Couldn't agree more. Uh, I, I gave him a B uh, relative role. Um, B as well for me. Yeah. Uh, it, it's funny because uh, our next guy, Jetty Osman, who we don't need to go too deep on, but what I'd like to see him improve on is have a Dean Wade mentality, like just <laughs> de decision-making awareness, Disappear a little bit more <laughs> consistency of effort, like all of that stuff. I'd like to see more of that from Jetty Osman. Uh, greatest strength is probably his outside shot creation. Uh, yes, it comes and goes in waves. Uh, but just the ability to generate and pull ups off screens. Um, I, I think it gave the Cavs an element that they needed. And what I'd like to see more of is the playmaking flashes that he shows, uh, whether it's off cuts, whether it's a, as a screen and roll ball handler, like I'd like to see a little bit more of that and, and better decision-making in those spots. But in reality, like when we were talking about the minutes crunch uh, for the Cavs next season, like I think Jetty Osmond's probably your leading candidate uh, to to lose out on an opportunity, assuming assuming that he's back. Yeah, I think that's all fair. Um, I think greatest strength was the the high the microwave effect. Yeah, he spurred a few avalanches this year. Mm -hmm. uh, helped him win games that they weren't going to win um, by being such a a, a flamethrower, such a heat check guy. I think uh, in terms of. You know, like I and and you're right. Like in terms of what he needs to do, it just needs to be more consistent. You know, he just he never has figured out how to consistently help the team. It's either great or it's terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, and like just little things that like you go like you don't get to do that when you're a role player when you're a swing guy. It's it's tough to be a a, a wing that has a reputation as a shooter and shoot 66 percent from the line. Uh, especially when you actually do get to the line, like you have to make the <laughs> most of your op yeah. that you have to make the most of your opportunities uh, when you're in that role. And, you know, he had a great bounce back year and it was going great until it wasn't. And, yeah. and, you know, it's, it's hard to not account for the, when it wasn't part, even though the, when it was part was so fun. So I'm going to go ahead and say, I, I, I think a C or a C plus, I think if you would ask me, um, two months before the season ended, I would have said a B, B plus, but I think it's a C plus for me. Yeah, I went B minus because I, I think it was really two thirds of the season uh, that, that he was stronger. And then the last third got really, really shaky. Uh, the next one that we have up is Karis LeVert, which I think is a pretty tough grade. But his greatest strength is pick and roll creation. Uh, as a pick and roll ball handler in terms of points per possession, he was he actually generated more on the season than Darius Garland, than anyone on the Cavs, which, which is surprising. But he didn't get to do that a whole lot. And, and a lot of that was because Jared Allen was out and Mobley hasn't developed as a screen setter. And even Dean Wade being out, I, I think, had an impact. So I think that's a big part of why he wasn't as effective. Uh, what I'd like to see more of, more catch and shoot threes. I think that would be a he really just wouldn't take them. 
Yeah, and it's funny because he shot almost 41% on catch-and-shoot threes this season. Like, they, he was good at it. But I, I think in order for him to fit into the Cavs ecosystem next year, I think more of those catch-and-shoot looks need to be part of his game. And what I'd like to see him add is off-ball opportunities, which obviously ties into those catch-and-shoot threes. But give yourself easy chances as a cutter, as someone coming off screens, as uh, a spot-up shooter, like use less energy to generate the field goal attempts that you have because I, I think too often you would see him dancing and I, I try to keep the notes on where to improve a little more reasonable when you're talking about older players because you're going to be sending your ways but assuming that he's back next season I, I think that that would be one of the things I'd like to see from him less is more sometimes I, re- I remember my best friend growing up uh always used to say that Dion waiters made playing basketball look really hard. <laughs> like he would work so freaking hard for his buckets. I think you were spot on and saying the same thing about Karis. Like it never, never an easy bucket for our boy Karis. No. Um, and, you know, I think like you do want to just see him not. And some of that is like over indexing because of the way that the roster played out, especially without Jarrett there. I think when he played in the pick and roll, you're right. He, when he, he's a guy who is a little bit better of a playmaker than Colin, where if he has just two easy reads, he's going to make the right play. Yeah. And I thought uh, in the playoffs, I actually, or the play in games, I thought his playmaking actually was pretty good. I thought everyone was hyper indexing on the shooting, which fair, it was pretty ugly for stretches. Um, but, but I thought his definitely solid. I thought his passing was solid and generated some clean looks for for the team when they really weren't were having a hard time during stretches uh, in those two games. So I, I think that's absolutely a fair, and I would agree with that. That was actually mine as well, which is just playmaking in the pick and roll mm-hmm. uh, in terms of and, and and also the thing to work on. I mean, it's you got to shoot, man, especially if you're going to play on a team that has this much talent around it. Uh, you know, Darius going to have the ball a lot, buddy. Colin's going to have the ball a lot. And if you record scratch possessions out where they generate a clean open three for you and you don't take it, you just wasted nine seconds on the shot clock, 12 sh- seconds on the shot clock. And you're probably and most, not getting a good shot at the end of it. No. And most offenses cannot survive wasting good shots, especially when it, when things actually matter. In fact, I think that's going to be a really good lesson for the Cavs as they start making a push for the postseason, which is, as a whole, this is a team that loves passing up good shots to try to hunt great ones. And sometimes you just got to take the good one. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I think that's a, a perfectly fair grade uh, or fair fair feedback for him uh, in terms of kind of what he what he showed that we like. I think it's just really hard. I think he had a really tough, uh, tough hand dealt to him. And, you know, I'm also going to go incomplete. I think. I, I, he really didn't play too many more games than Colin this year. So, uh, and he got brought in in more adverse environments. So I'm going to go with an incomplete for him as well. I gave him a C. Um, there's contextual reasons for that, but um, obviously it just didn't work out now for a lot of reasons, but it just, I, I think we got enough of a, a sample size to, to say in that role, in that situation, it did not work out. That doesn't mean it can't, uh, but obviously when your greatest strength is something that you can't really showcase because of uh, the situation, that's not ideal. Uh, someone that is most certainly not getting a C is Darius Garland. Um, a! A! I, yeah, he is getting an A. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, greatest strength, I put manipulating the defense, like whether it's to create his own shot or others. Like realistically, like he had worse spacing this season than he had last season. And I think that that is something to like, if you look up the contextual numbers on on, uh, B-Ball Index, like that, it checks out. And yet he was still able to scale up his scoring, to scale up his playmaking, even with a bad back. Like we were worried after the All-Star break, oh, we're probably getting 80% Darius. And even through those physical limitations, he was still productive in such an incredible way. Uh, And I think that comes down to his uh, intelligence and his ability to manipulate the defense. Uh, What I'd like to see more of is off-ball three-point shooting. Uh, I think if you could generate, even though, uh, as I said before, only Steph Curry and Duncan Robinson had more off-ball, off-screen actions run for them than Garland. 
especially as Mobley develops as a playmaker, as, as Colin Sexton comes back, as you have all these other guys uh, absorbing that role, I think the three-point volume he created out of pull-ups and, and dancing, I, I think that that it was great. I love kind of the balance he had, but just get him like two easy shots off ball, two, two more easy shots off ball. I think that's a way you can scale up that three-point rate in, in a way that doesn't increase his usage. Uh, and then what I'd like can, to see... Can I jump in with my? I want to break the formula a little bit. I want to jump in with my strength. Yeah, yeah. It was the inverse of the Dean Wade criticism. You felt this dude every single night. I think people have already forgotten how freaking invisible Darius could be in his first two years. (laughs) There would be nights where I'm like, dude, shoot. Yeah. Like, dude, do something. I mean, here's some stats for you, Justin. Usage rate went up three full percent from 24.9 to 27.8. Three-point attempt uh, rate went up 5%, 33% to 30, actually really six. He went up to 39% if you round up. His assist rate went up from 31 to 39.9. Like, <laughs> this dude was everywhere for this team. Mm-hmm. Um, and all without, you know, doing the James Harden, uh, Luka Doncic, you know, um, heliocentric thing you just felt him every single excuse me every single game and like i just feel like if he had a strength it was he answered the number one thing we asked him to do (laughs) which is i want to feel you every night because the talent is there we see the flashes do it all the time and whether it was ricky rubio in his ear whether it was colin going down whether it was uh, who knows but this dude had a, a very deserved all-star year. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. I mean, you look at some of these percentiles, like uh, when it comes to perimeter shooting, uh, which is basically the talent grade on three-point shooting attempts, uh, counting for shot making, a shot creation, uh, volume, the difficulty of the shots. He was all the way up in the 97th percentile. In playmaking talent, he was in the 100th percentile uh, for players. Uh, off off-screen possessions uh 91st off-screen um finishing in those opportunities in the half court 98 percentile like up and down (laughs) across the board he was just ridiculously impressive and uh, i'd like to see in terms of one thing i'd like to see him add a little more grifting he did a really good job with the rip throughs away from the basket uh punishing guys for reaching in but the contact that he was taking at the rim was egregious and some of that might be uh jb getting in refs ears and, and you know experience and uh you know more notoriety for referees uh, around the league with garland but i also think he could do a better job selling that because i i think a lot of his rim finish finishing numbers which are down are the result of him getting fouled and they're not being called. And I expect as the spacing gets better, uh, that's going to be more obvious when that contact's there. And he needs to make sure that he is letting it be known that he's getting fouled in those situations to increase that free throw rate. Yeah. Um, I think that if I'm looking at something that I want to see him uh, improve on is the turnovers, man, uh, was one of the weak weaker parts. I think what I would love to see him do is find a way to balance controlling the game without being careless. Um, There were some stretches where, uh, you know, he was, you know, getting seven, eight, nine turnovers in in a game and whatever you just crashed onto the floor. (laughs) That was my dog. Oh, hi, hi, Nani. Uh, But yeah, I think in terms of like, you just want to see him never lose control of the game. I think the Cavs lost some games uh, this year where they just let go of their discipline offensively and just started handing the ball over. Um, So some of that's going to be on Mobley's hands getting better. But like, you know, you look at the truly great point guards, you know, the, the Chris Pauls of the world, uh, the Steph Curry is the world. They don't typically, Steph, uh, give the ball away and and have those eight, nine, ten turnover games, especially when they're not forced into them. Like sometimes you you earn your ten turnovers. I thought he had a few games where he didn't, but overall, yeah. I mean, my God, he was so good. I yeah, get there, it. There was definitely some. We're picking uh, nets. There there were some lazy turnovers. I will say this: I'm about a year away from caring about them. 
I, I still think we're, we're, we're at the point where I would like to see him take risks and figure out what he can and can't do. I would rather see him make mistakes in the service of that than be careful, like too careful where you're not taking gambles. Like, especially next season, I, I think an overall note for this team, I want to see them play with more pace really get out, push the ball, take advantage of those opportunities and transition, take advantage of the stops that you're likely going to be able to generate. And that is naturally going to come with turnovers. Like I don't want them to be a low turnover team because I, I think if you're doing that, you are playing a very slow methodical game and, and you're not really, um, you're not generating the opportunities that I think they should be doing with pace. So uh, I, I, I would, I would agree with this take. I think, I think, you know, it's fine to to be a high turnover team. Mm-hmm. They were 27th in the league in turnover percentage this year. Yeah. Uh, it's not fine to be a high turnover team and be the 25th fastest team in the league. Yes, yes, absolutely. So cut out the lazy ones, uh, make better decisions, but take still take those chances. We're, we're still in the developmental stages of this, of figuring out what this roster can and can't do. Now, our, our final one that we are going to go with today, our final player that we are going to get rid is Kevin Love. Good old Kevin. I'm not expecting a lot of changes when we're talking about things to add. Um, but I was thinking I, he could add a, he could add a, you know, an off the bounce. Game. Yeah. <laughs> no, you you know, it's just uh, <laughs> a dribble as he pull up, uh, you know, I think his greatest strength is honestly like just his savvy and experience. Like I, I think just knowing what to do on the basketball court is so valuable, especially on a young team like this. Um, the thing that I would like to see, or the thing I like that I'd l- like to see more of is him kind of operating as a high post hub. I, I think it'd be great to have continuity between both he and Mobley adding those kinds of sets uh, where they're initiating from the high post, kind of doing some playmaking, opening up cutting lanes uh, for guys like Colin Sexton or Lamar Stevens or Isaac Okoro. Um, so I, I think like if you're looking at how you'd stagger the bigs next year, like when it's Mobley without Jared, I think I'd like to see Lowry with him so that Mobley can do that playmaking. And I'd like to see Kevin Love with Jared. I think that those pairings would work really well. And that way you have one of those high post hubs and you have continuity between your units. And one thing I'd like to see him add a little more variety in the pick and roll, pick and pop game because he is a good screen setter. He just never, ever rolls. And I, I think he's someone that can make those passes out of the short roll. Uh, it might generate those high post opportunities uh, when he slips. I, I just think he became a little too predictable. And obviously the three-point shooting and the pick and pop is such an important part of his game. But just change it up a little bit, a little change of pace, I think makes them a little bit more difficult to defend. Yeah, I think that, you know, I think, the strengths are so obvious. It's hard to say. I mean, I thought his stability and leadership and show and being there and health, you know, like being the team's leader in, in games played, I think is a huge testament to the guy. Um, I think that he just was really there for this team. Um, he was the person they turned to against Brooklyn when the stage got too big. Um, and he's going to continue to be able to fulfill that role as a guy who's been there and done that. Um, as, as this young team continues to get its reps and take its lumps. I think you're spot on with the variety. Um, the only other thing is I, I hope that with a more healthy team that Kevin can more consistently empty his tank on defense and just get out. I'd rather him play 15 minutes of really attentive, sharp defense where he's really chopping his feet mm-hmm. than try to stretch it out for 25 and pick his spots. And sometimes that's not going to be up to him his body is you know he's getting old you know mm-hmm. and sometimes your body just isn't there but like there were stretches this year where he played you know functional capable defense i thought against brooklyn he played pretty good defense and then against atlanta he you couldn't even have him out there and some of that's just age mm-hmm. but like if there if there were a piece of feedback i'd give like hey whatever you can give us if you are completely gassed after 15 that's great yeah. you know but like like there were times this season where you know, like that limitation of his game really held them back and made it hard to play him. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, at this point in his career, I just, you know, he, you kind of get what you get. So this, this kind of, this part of it feels a little silly, but ultimately <laughs> awesome year for Kevin. He gets a B plus from me. 
B plus for me as well. Uh, one of my favorite stories of the season. I love his recent Instagram post. And if you're looking for more feel good calf stuff, go check out the Darius Garland GQ article. Uh, really, really fun uh, conversation with, with Garland there talking about how much he loves Cleveland, how much he wants to play with Colin Sexton next year. All, all the stuff that just, you know, warms my heart and, and gets uh, some Sexland uh, momentum going, Carter. Uh, we we o- need it. Overall great for the Cavs this season. We didn't do that one. Ah, I didn't even prep for that. I, I, I didn't either. But let's just do it. Let's do it live. Uh, I, honestly, I'm going to go A minus. I I know that expectations shifted throughout the year. Um, I, I, but on the whole, I think that this was an incredible season. I think JB Bickerstaff deserved uh, the fifth place phone finish that he had in Coach of the Year. Uh, obviously, the the teams ahead of them had a, a lot more wins and, and finished stronger. Uh, I don't think it was JB's decision to not play Jared Allen. It's not like he was a DMP coach's decision down the stretch. Uh, but you know what? Uh, I, I think the the accolades that they got, even the, the fact that they were in all of those conversations, I think this year was an absolute win. Uh, and I'm really, really excited. Like, I, I I love that we got meaningful basketball for 82 games. And it may not have 84. always... 84. Yeah, good point. Like, it's... Yes, the expectations shift. Yes, they fell short of that. But they fell short in ways that I feel comfortable with. That I, I think that they can learn from. All experience is good experience if you can learn from it. And I, I think that certainly falls in that category for the Cavs. I think A minus is the correct grade here. Uh, it would be an A plus if their season stayed on their trajectory. It was on, but you do got to get dinged a little bit for how it ended. But you know, ultimately, this team won twenty two games last year, and obviously, seventy two game season. But ain't much more than that, and they won forty four. That's an enormous 44. jump. So, Seventeen over projected. Yeah, so I, I'm calling this a, an enormous win. Just taking dinging a few points off the off the the way the season ended, but obviously an amazing year and uh, and and ultimately every everyone gets uh, gets uh, you know the kudos from us because I thought they were it was a dream year in a lot of ways. Totally agree, Carter. Do you know what's in a week? The, the draft, draft lottery, lottery man. Draft lottery is in a week. We will be recapping where the Cavs land. We're going to have more information. That seems like a perfect time for us to kick off our draft coverage and talk some takes on those prospects. So I'm really excited to get into that and see where the Cavs land. I'm just going to say, basketball gods, there's only really one team in there that was trying to win all season that you know tried to overcome all the adversity they didn't fold uh intentionally so like some of these other teams and pull the plug for lottery odds karma karma should be on the cast side i i, I think I, i'm not going to be greedy i'm not going to be greedy we, we can get three or four i'm fine with three or four but you know i i, I think that that's deserved you're an animal yes i am yes i most certainly am and let's I, wrap can you imagine how mad everybody would be the basketball universe would hate it so much if the Cavs jumped up and i'm ready for it i'm ready to embrace the hate i'm I'm ready to become my true villain self carter but thank you so much to everyone that tuned in again if you have any feedback for the podcast we really welcome it um constructive criticism is best but you know what i I can learn something from just about anything or if there's something that you like uh that you'd like to hear more of let us know uh big thanks to everyone tuning in live on youtube if you want to support us like and subscribe click the notification bell so you know when we're going live if you're listening via podcast leave us a rating leave a review subscribe unsubscribe resubscribe and help cook those books if you want to be part of chase down's exclusive discord chat send a screenshot that review to chase down at gmail.com however you choose to support us we really do appreciate it make sure you guys are staying safe out there until next time go caps